Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. Glad somebody's awake besides me. Welcome to One Church. If this is your first time, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for trying out church. Um, we're a little unique, uh, but I'll tell you, the one thing we're all about is Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, we're in a series um, simply titled Jesus. And um, last week we learned, uh, Danny taught, that Jesus was God's contact, his communication with us. That Jesus was the, anybody remember the name? Word, right? Jesus is the Word. Everybody say that. Jesus is the Word. That God communicated with us. That Jesus is the Word. Um, we learned that before time began, before the, the first... Uh, uh, minutes started ticking on the very first clock before there was ever days on a calendar that Jesus has always been. That Jesus has always been because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John 1 1 says that the Word was with God and the Word was God. You know, I want to uh, I want to begin kind of where we left off yesterday in, in John chapter 1, verse 6, and it says this. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John the Baptist's job, his J-O-B, the message was to announce Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. And in verse 29, he says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said this, look, look, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb, the Lamb of God. You know, if I was writing the Bible, I probably wouldn't have used the word lamb. I mean, that's, if you're going to call somebody, if you call me a lamb, that's probably not a really good thing. I mean, why did Jesus... Why, did, why is the name given to Jesus Lamb? I would have picked like something like the Tiger of God, the Panther of God, you know, the Elephant of God. Elephants are strong, all right? But he chose the word, the animal, Lamb. What is that all about? Well, the reason why it doesn't make sense the reason why we are left scratching our heads is because we're starting to read this book in the middle. We're starting in the Gospel of John. Well, there's books before this. So what we're going to do today, and I'm so glad if you've never been to church before, you're here at a great time because we're going to start all the way to the very beginning. The Greek word for beginning is the word Genesis. And we're going to start in that book, Genesis. And we're going to go all the way to the last book of the Bible called Revelation. And we're going to see a consistent theme in both of these books. And the theme is this. Look, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created mankind in the very beginning. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve fell, and the relationship between mankind and God was broken. 
result of that brokenness of that relationship is that we became spiritually dead. Since that time, we have all been born spiritually dead. That's part of the setting for where we are today. One of the things we're going to look at is today as we look through these scriptures, we're just going to look at some pictures that the Bible paints of God's plan, God's plan to reconcile man to himself. So the first picture that we're going to look at today begins in the book of Genesis, and it deals with a man named Abraham. Abraham was the man that God called out to start the nation of Israel, become his chosen people. Abraham went a long time without a child. And we see that one of the great needs in his life was to have a child. God finally gave him a child, and that child was his son, Isaac, who was born in his old age. I believe he was 100 years old when Isaac was born. The point of that is, once God, once God gave him Isaac, God then told Abraham that he was going to test him. And actually, the scripture actually says that God decided to test Abraham. This was the test. It's a test that you can hardly imagine. He said, Abraham, take your only son, Isaac, take him and go and offer him as a sacrifice, a burnt offering to me. That's the test that God gave to Abraham. We're going to pick up and just read the story itself to see what that has to do with where we are in John chapter 1. So if you'll read with me uh, in Genesis at this point, we'll begin in Genesis 22. I didn't see that marker. Okay. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand took the knife to slay a son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place that the the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We see in this story a living illustration of God's plan of salvation. God provided the sacrifice that served as a substitute for Isaac. This is a living picture of what God had in mind. And it helps us understand what John the Baptist meant when he proclaimed, look, There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amazingly enough, 500 years has passed and Abraham is now dead. God has come true on his promise to Abraham that I will make you a great nation. That God took Abraham's descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... And God renamed Jacob Israel. And from Israel come the Israelites. 500 years have passed, and now there are over 100 plus million Israelites. God came through on this promise. There's one problem, though. The Israelites now are in bondage. 
They're in bondage in a foreign land called Egypt. So God made another promise to his people. I've grown you, and now I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you out. So he calls a man whose name means to bring you out. His name is Moses. And God sends Moses to the leader of the Egyptians. His title is Pharaoh. And nine times Moses says, let my people go. Nine times Pharaoh says, no, I am not. Nine times God sends plagues on Egypt. Terrible plagues. And on the tenth time, he sends the most terrible plague of all. He sends an angel of death to be able to kill the firstborn of everyone living in Egypt. Everyone. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, it says, On the night, on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Every man who was the firstborn would die. How many of you are firstborn in here? Every firstborn man would die, no matter how old. Every firstborn animal would die. But God, we learn something about God here because God makes a provision. God gives grace, and this is what he says in Exodus 12, 3 and 4, by his mercy. He says, he tells Moses to tell the people that each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice. One animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat an entire animal, then let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses from which they eat the animal. In this, he's saying, it doesn't matter how small you are. How small of a family you have. It doesn't matter about your economic income. It doesn't matter if you're on welfare or if you're living in a million-dollar mansion. It doesn't matter how big you think you are or how small you are. No one is excluded. Everyone is to do this. Everyone is to do this. If you want to be saved, if you want the angel of death to pass over you, then what you must do is you must take the blood of a lamb and put it on a doorpost. Now, it's not just any lamb. It's not just any old animal. It says in, in verse 5, the animal you select must be a one-year-old male. The lamb was to be young and in his prime. By the way, Jesus, when he died at 33, he was a man in his prime. I continue, it either must be a sheep or a goat with no defects. By the way, the Bible says that Jesus had never sinned. The person who betrayed Jesus, Jesus, Judas, says, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate, the one who condemned Jesus to die, he said, I find no fault in this man. Jesus was the only person who ever sinned. I'm going to keep on reading, Exodus 12, 6. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. 
What he's saying is this. You choose the lamb, and then for three days, you're to bring that lamb home, and that lamb is to live in your house. That lamb is to live in your house. And, you know, lambs are so cute. You know? They're, they're, you hold them and you get to feed them and you pet them and they lay in your lap. What do you think is going to happen during those three days with your kids being at home? What are they going to do with that lamb? They're going to pet him, give him a bath. If you're a girl, they're going to put braids in his hair, right? They're going to name him Fluffy, Snowflake. And for three days, they just loved on that lamb. They loved on Snowflake. At the end of that third day, dad would come with a knife. And the children's eyes would fill up with tears. Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing with Fluffy? What are you doing to Snowflake? And everyone would gather around that lamb and put the hands on the lamb to calm the lamb. Not only to calm the lamb, but to also say, this animal is going to die in my place. This animal is going to be my substitute. And then the dead would take the knife and kill the lamb. What's going on here? What is going on here? Not only that, when the angel of death would come over, people would be weeping because they've lost their firstborn because of God's judgment. Or in the Israelites, those that have been saved, they were weeping because they lost their pet lamb, but everybody was crying because salvation is costly. Salvation is costly. Verse 6, take care of the special chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day on the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. Twilight. Jesus died at twilight. He died at 3 o'clock when the sun it was already in the over high noon, and it's starting to get dark. Verse 7, They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, God says, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you until I strike the land of Egypt. Kill a spotless lamb. Take the blood of the lamb and put it on your doorposts. Put it on your doorpost. Go east to west, north to south, and make a cross. Of blood. And when I see this, I will pass over you. God in that moment teaches us something. He teaches us this that God is not going to pass over the good Israelites. God is not going to pass over the good Egyptians. God is not going to pass over the Israelites who try really hard. God is not going to pass over the Israelites or the Egyptians who try to follow the rules. Because at this point in Israel's history, they have no rules. The Ten Commandments aren't given yet. 
He says, I am going to pass over you. I'm going to pass over judgment for you. You are going to be saved, not if you're good enough, not if you followed the rules, not if you go to church. I'm going to pass over you based solely on whether I see the blood of the Lamb over your household, whether or not you are covered by the blood of a spotless, perfect Lamb. If I see the blood on the doorpost, then I will pass over you. It's not the good. It's not the perfect. It's not those who try hard or who are sincere. It's not even about whether you're an Israelite or not. It's about, do I see the blood on the door? The blood of the Lamb. Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. As we move forward in time, God gives us another living illustration of His plan salvation. We see that illustration in the law of Moses. God gave the law, and in that law, he gave the sacrificial system. And we're going to look at that sacrificial system just in brief this morning to see how it was a picture of the truth that John proclaimed when he proclaimed Jesus as the Lamb of God. The first thing that we need to look at as we think about the sacrificial system is the importance of blood. Today, we think of blood as almost something that is very almost pagan and and just uh, we think of the whole idea of sacrifices and the shedding of blood as something that's just kind of detestable. Why did God require the shedding of blood? Well, if we look at Scripture, we see in Leviticus chapter 17 uh, that the Scripture says, the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, make you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for life that makes purification possible. God chose the shedding of blood, the taking of life to represent the seriousness of sin, the seriousness of the requirement that sin be paid for. So in the shedding of blood, we see uh, that God required that death take place. We see in the Scriptures, the Scriptures tell us that according to the law of Moses, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, according to the law of Moses, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The second aspect of the sacrificial system is really that we're going to look at this morning is really rooted in the Day of Atonement. Under the Jewish law, under the law of Moses, the Day of Atonement was one day per year when the high priest would go into the most holy place within the tabernacle or the temple. He would go in uh, to the most holy place. There would be a sacrifice. He would take the blood of that sacrifice and he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat or the, uh, some call it the atonement cover. He would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. The picture that we see there is that the blood has to be sprinkled on the seat for God's mercy and God's forgiveness to be given to us. Now, if one of the things we realize from reading the Scriptures is that what took place in the Old Testament was just a picture. It was not the reality that God wanted to point to. Hebrews gives us the reality that God wanted us to point to. Let's look at those Scriptures. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made with human hands and is not part of this created world. 
with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. For God's will was that for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. We see in these scriptures the Old Testament sacrificial system, the sacrificing of animals, the shedding of their blood, the Day of Atonement, was all intended to illustrate and point to Jesus Christ. Helps us understand what John meant when he proclaimed as he saw Jesus, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amazingly enough, after Moses God gave the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement never really took away the consequences of sin. At best, it postponed it. God says, I want you to take the blood of a lamb and I want you to sprinkle it on the mercy seat. I want you to put it over the door and I'm going to pass over you and I'm going to postpone judgment for your sin." God's Word says that the the result of sin always is death. Now, they've been killing animals, but that hasn't taken away the sin once and for all. That hasn't really brought forgiveness. It's just postponed the inevitable. But 600 years before Jesus, before Jesus came into this world in Bethlehem, God told the prophet Isaiah, I want you to write something about Jesus, the Messiah. Isaiah 53, Isaiah writes this. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before those that shear it, He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away, struck down for the rebellion of his people. He had never done no wrong, 
and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a common criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. His life was made for an offering for sin once and for all. Once and for all. So that there would be no postponement of sins and the consequences of sin. That once and for all. And that leads us to this right here. On the day of the Passover, at 9 o'clock in the morning, they nailed Jesus to a cross. On the Passover. And for six hours, Jesus hangs on the cross. And at 3 o'clock, he breathes his last. John 19, 14. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Jesus was turned over to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull, or in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on the left, one on the right, on either side, with Jesus between them. And then Jesus said, It is finished! Then he bowed his head, and he released his spirit. Just as with the first Passover, God announces judgment. But just as with the first Passover, God provides a lamb. Just like God provided for Abraham and Isaac a lamb to substitute. Just as God provided Moses and the Israelites and delivered them from bondage, not with a tiger, not with the lion, but with the blood of a little spotless lamb. So God today can deliver you and me from the blood of the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And just as in the Passover, God tells the Israelites, I want you to go west to east and I want you to put blood over your doorpost and north to south I want you to paint that blood and I'm going to pass over judgment not over those who are good over those who will follow the law over those who are sincere but I will pass over judgment when I see someone who has placed themselves their faith and their trust in the blood of a spotless lamb. Look, there is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world.
Now we move forward. The scene is in heaven. The Apostle John has been taken to heaven in a vision. This is a worship service from the book of Revelation. And I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the scroll and unroll it? But no one on heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Read it. Then I wept because no one could be found who was worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has conquered. He is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seven seals. I looked and I saw a lamb that had been killed, but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that are sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And as he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they had gold bowls filled with incense, the fragrant prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were killed, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become God's kingdom and his priest, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And they sang a new and a mighty chorus. The The Lamb is is worthy. The the Lamb who was killed. He is is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They also sang, Blessings and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped God and the Lamb. Look, there is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Church, will you stand with us as we sing about the blood of Jesus?
Victorious are we 